Amen. Well, you guys can be seated. And we're going to get right into it this morning. Uh, we have memorized and are memorizing the books of the Bible in order. And uh, it's been a couple of weeks because Seth preached last week. So if you guys um, felt like you're a little bit or feel like you're a little bit rusty, um, we're going with it anyway. Okay. So be ready. Um, they're going to be up on the screen. This is where we are at. And today, after we add our next three, we will be finished with the entire Old Testament. Okay. And so we will be finished memorizing the books in order in the Old Testament, and we will move on to the New Testament, okay? And you guys will be familiar with those ones. You'll say, yeah, I know those. Yeah, those are easy, okay? So let's, let's practice. Let's, let's, let's do this, okay? We're going to just read them from the screen to begin with, okay? So let's read. Here we go. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, <coughs> Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Zephaniah. All right, you guys read it. Give yourselves a round of applause. Okay, here we go. I'm going to take this off the screen. Andy, please remove it. All right, you guys ready? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Lamentations, I'm sorry, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Zeph... <laughs> I've done this like already three times this morning, so I should be able to do it. Ready? Here we go. Where are we at? Habakkuk, Zephaniah. Okay, good job. I've officially embarrassed myself. Okay. All right. I promise you I can do it, all right? I'll just, I'll just say that. Here we go. Here's who we're at. This is what we're adding, okay? This is the three books we're adding. I just, that's crazy. Here we go. I can't do that. Haggai. Say, everyone say Haggai. Haggai. Zechariah. Everyone say Zechariah. Haggai. Malachi. Everyone say Malachi. Haggai. Haggai. Zechariah. Malachi, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. One more time. Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. All right. I, I got a lot of pressure on me right now. Here we go. You ready? Take it away. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Good job, everybody. And I redeemed myself for you. So. 
Good job. Listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you guys to practice that this week so that you don't do what I do or did next week. Well, I want to welcome you, and I'm glad that you're here. And I want to tell you just from the bottom of my heart and from our pastoral staff that this is a safe place uh, for you. Um, Wherever you find yourself today in relation to God, whether you're exploring or whether you are stuck in sin, we have told you often that this is a place in which it's okay not to be okay, although we don't want you to stay there. But we understand that that this is where many of you find yourself today, and we want to tell you this is a good place for you to be. Maybe the fire within you burns for God, and that's a good thing too. As a church, we want to love you, and we want to teach you what God's Word says. We want to press in to your life wherever you're at, because the goal is that you would be on fire for God and no longer stuck in sin and knowing his ways and living for him. And so we want to press in and challenge you using God's word. We want to pray for you. We want to help you. We want to encourage you. Because God is good. He's good. And his gospel is hope. The good news of Jesus Christ is hope. And oftentimes we we forget this or maybe we take it for granted because we've known about it for so long. But the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is hope and praise God that he's pursued us and given us the gospel. And he is so worthy of glory. He is so worthy of honor. And he is so worthy of your praise. He's so good. He's so good. And you know, <clears throat> in my life, just personally, I'm knowing God more and more. So as I reflect on just where I'm at in my relationship with God, I'm in a place of, of knowing him more and more, and over the past few years, um, really knowing him on a deeper level um, than I did in the past, and that should be true of all of us. Through my great times with God, and through my personal time with him, through my experience of him, through my nearness to him, through the truth, the truth that I'm learning about him in his word, I'm learning more and more about who he is, about how good he truly is, about how worthy he really is, about how much honor belongs to him and how much praise belongs to him through, again, my time pursuing him, knowing him through his word, through my good times, but also through my failures. This time and this season of life, God has taught me so much about who he is, mostly through my failures, mostly through my struggles, mostly through my sorrow, mostly through downtimes and my flaws, through failures. I think the more that you walk with God, the longer you are a Christian, the more aware you are of how far you are from where you want to be and where God wants you to be. Through my own shortcomings and through the overwhelming consciousness for me just being aware, being conscious of how far I am from where Christ is. And as a Christian, this is not just in the realm of, of my, I don't know, 
spiritual, uh, intangible walk with God. It's true in every area that I've learned how far I have to go as, as just a Christian in general, again, as, as a leader, as a teacher, and as a preacher, as a parent, as a husband, as a friend. I'm learning more and more as I know God more deeply, I am understanding and knowing how far off I am. And I'm knowing him again in ways through these failures and through these times of, of shortcoming, but also through these times of success and, and praiseworthy times. I'm knowing more and more again about who God is. And I know a lot of things for certain after, after just these, these seasons of life is that, man, one thing I know for sure is God is extremely patient. One thing I know for sure is that God is extremely faithful. One thing I know for sure is that he is active. Man, he's always on the move. He's always doing something. He's always active. And he is good. He is good. And he's worthy of praise. He's worthy of all praise. In fact, he is the only one worthy of all praise. What I'm becoming more and more aware of in my life is that God, by far, is the only one worthy of any praise. He is the only one who is perfect. He is the only one who is faithful. He is the only one who is strong and the only one who is mighty. Through it all, he is the one who is worthy of all of praise. All of our praise, all the praise of all the world, there is only one who is worthy of it, and I am becoming more and more aware that it is him and only him who is worthy of all the praise. In fact, I have reason to praise, and I have no other purpose but to praise. Because in fact, all of life and all that I have, I feel like in the the book of Ecclesiastes when to feel like all life is just vanity, it's purposeless, it's got no real meaning apart from, from God. It's just a repetitious movement of days on into death and then on into eternity. The only thing that I actually have to hold on to is praise. I have reason to praise him and that is through my successes and my failures because he's the only one who is good. And actually, if I have any purpose at all in life to, to, to pursue and to be satisfied in and to find life and joy and rest in, it's only the pursuit of praise towards God. In and in it, in it of itself, life is pointless. It doesn't have any real substance to it, substance to it without a continual posture in my heart of praise because God is my portion. He is the only thing that's satisfying and he's the only one who is worthy of praise. And so again, I have reason to praise even though I have so much um, room to grow. And also the point of my life, the point of all of life, is to pursue the praise of God. Because it's pointless in the end if I don't have praise in my heart and on my lips towards God and as my ultimate end in my pursuit. 
Because all I have, all I have to look forward to is God. That's it. He alone satisfies. And I know that you know that. No matter how much you've been trying to satisfy yourself with other things, I know you know that it's not satisfying. It's because he's the only one who satisfies. He is the only one who is great. He is the only one who has done great things. He is the only one that you have, and he is the only one who you will have for all of eternity. Again, so praise is the ultimate aim of everything. And yet for some reason, as I reflect on all of this, I don't know why, but my heart doesn't praise him like it should. You ever notice that? I don't know why, what's wrong with you, heart, that you don't see him the way that you should that you sit and are not satisfied in him as you should be. In who he really is, my life should be consumed with praise towards him. The truth of the matter is, I don't always see him as I should. There's some kind of defect in here that I want to go to other places but to God. Oh, that my heart would praise him. Oh, that my heart would see him for who he is and praise him continually all my days on into eternity. That's the only way in which we're called to live and the only thing worthy of our pursuit. Oh, that my heart would prefer him above all things, that my heart would delight in him above all things, and oh, that my heart would rejoice in him on a daily basis. But for some reason, I see him, and he is not preferable sometimes. He is not my greatest delight sometimes. He is not who I seek to be satisfied in sometimes. And so I need him to do a transforming work on my heart because I need to be in a continual place of praise because he is the only one who's worthy of it and because all other pursuits fall short if it doesn't end in my praise of him. And so that's what I need from him more than anything else to do a work on my heart to bring forth praise. To bring forth praise. That he would do a work to bring forth in my life and in my heart a continual, deep, stable, joyful, sustaining, glorifying, life-changing state of praise towards him. And I wonder, is your life full of praise? Is your life full of praise towards God? Is your heart happy in Him? Does your head and your heart hold Him in such regard that it continually rejoices in knowing him and having him. Oh, that you would praise the Lord all your days. So that's what we need the Holy Spirit to do today to us this morning is to awaken our lethargic hearts and satisfy us in his love. That he would awaken us and bring a supernatural change and bring you and I to a place of praise. And I want to tell you, for this to happen, for us to get there, we need his truth. 
Because if we are to live a life of praise towards God, we need his truth to change us and to change our hearts into that posture, bring us into that place. Why? Because listen, a life full of praise doesn't just happen. Like it doesn't just happen. A life full of praise towards God, continual heart posture of praise towards God doesn't just happen. And that's how we live sometimes, that I'm just going to live and hopefully it comes my way. Hopefully I walk into it or step into it or one day I just permanently turn into that. Well, God does all the work, yes, but a life bursting with joyful praise has foundations. Again, a life that is bursting with joyful praise, it has foundations that hold it up. It isn't simply sporadically experienced. So, where does those foundations, where are those foundations? Those foundations are primarily found in his word. And so what we're gonna do today is we're gonna continue through the book of Luke. And my prayer that is that Mary's song that we're going to read today would bring us into a place of praise. That's my prayer, is that Mary's song would bring us into a place of praise. So let's ask God to do this work, let's pray, and then we'll read and walk through the text for today. Father, we come before you this morning. And God, you have shown me through days and weeks and months and years and seasons that you, by far, are the only one worthy of praise. And all other pursuits fall short if my pursuits don't end in praise towards you. And if my heart is not in a continual posture of praise, life is without any meaning. And yet, God, my heart continually looks towards or is at least just disinterested in who you are and what you are and how great you are. Oh, that I would see you as you are see you rightly and be satisfied in who you are and in knowing you and in having you. And God, I pray that you would do this work on my heart and you would do this work on the heart of the people in this room today, that we would live lives that are in continual praise towards you. Help us to see Mary's song and that as we observe this, it would bring us into a place of praise. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can open up your Bibles to Luke chapter one. Luke chapter one, verses 46 through 56. Luke chapter one, yes, we are still in chapter one, verses 46 through 56. You guys ready to read? 
I'm reading from the ESV, if you guys have it. Here we go. Starting in verse, actually, let's start in verse 45, okay? And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he has spoken to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. What we see in this passage is the continuing story of Mary and her um, being part of God's plan to bring forth the Son of God. And so in this, God has been executing his plan. In this story so far, what we've seen up until this point is that God has been executing his plan. The plan that he's had since the beginning of time in ultimately bringing his son Jesus forth, bringing Jesus to earth, the son of God. And what we've seen that's been really fun up until this point is that there are people involved, right? Have you guys noticed that and seen that? There's been lots of people involved. So you're watching all these inner workings of all of these people to be involved in God's ultimate plan that he had before the beginning of time to send forth his son to earth. And so we've seen people like Zechariah and like Elizabeth, right? And so here Mary visits who? Who? Elizabeth, right? And Mary is visiting her relative Elizabeth, and Elizabeth is with child, and in her belly is who? John the Baptist. And Mary comes and visits, and what we've seen right before this, namely starting in verse 39, is that when she comes, the baby leaps. John's jumping around inside, right? And Mary sees her relative Elizabeth, and Elizabeth exclaims, and she says some great words to Mary and encourages her. So the baby's responding, and Elizabeth is responding, and we see Mary. Mary here is in a place where the Son of God is in her belly. I mean, can you imagine that? She's walking around all day long with the Son of God, the King of the universe, right here in her belly. And so she comes, John leaps, Elizabeth is in awe, the Son of God is in her belly, 
And Mary responds. She responds at this moment, and the way that she responds is that she overflows with praise. She sings a song. She overflows with praise, and I love this. If you guys look at the text with me, look at verse 45 before we begin to walk through this. Elizabeth's words before Mary's song of praise is, and blessed is she. Now when we've walked through Psalm 1, remember blessed? The word blessed, our guys wrote a song through that, which is meaning what? Happy, fortunate, right? So Elizabeth is saying this. Right before we see Mary's song, Elizabeth is saying this. Happy, fortunate is the one who what? Believes that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And right after we see Elizabeth say that, Happy is the one, fortunate is the one who believes that God is going to do everything that he said he was going to do in his plan. Right after we see that, we see that come to fulfillment, to fruition, because right after that, we see Mary sing in praise. It is true. Mary is going to be happy in God. It is true that she is fortunate because she all that God said he was going to do, believed his promise, and you want to see the evidence of it? It's the very next verse, because she brings forth praise. So it is true. Blessed is she who believed God. She will be happy in God and bring forth praise. How do we know? Because she does so right here. And now we're getting a glimpse into it. And I love this, because I want you to imagine that you're in an observation room, okay? And you're watching this song of praise from Mary. You're just watching it from beginning to end, and you're observing what is going on. I love it because if you were to just observe what's going on, I think that there's some things that we would see and that we would learn and that we would know that would bring us into a place of praise. What are they? Where there's three categories. First, there's going to be the focus. Then we're going to see the faith. And then we're going to see the fruit. So, first, the focus. What is Mary's focus? If you were to observe this, what do you observe about this? Well, what you observe is that God is worthy of praise. That's the focus. What you see, if you were to observe what's happening here, Mary's song, Mary's Magnificent, it's called Magnificent because that comes from the idea of magnifying the Lord, right? What you would see from this whole thing is that God is worthy of praise. This is what you would observe. And here's the deal, praise begins with God. And so that's the right thing to notice first. It begins with God, meaning he's the object. Praise is brought forth when God is the object. So that would be the right thing to notice first. You would say to yourself, this God, if you're observing this song, you're saying, this God, she's got it. This God, he's worthy of praise. That's what you would observe first. He is the only one worthy of praise, warranting that we do praise. Listen, praise arises when the focus is on God. 
So if you're wondering, why is my life not in a continual state of praise towards God? Well, maybe the focus isn't on God. Maybe your focus has God's name attached to it, but he's not the centerpiece of your focus. Because you got nothing that's worthy of praise. You just don't. You got sin, you got trouble, you got sorrow, you got failure. Yeah, you got some happy times, I know it. But you don't got anything that's worthy of everlasting praise. He is the only one who brings forth praise when he is the object. And that would be the first thing that we would notice. So what is it about this God? What does Mary notice? Why is there praise on her lips? What does Mary find? God is worthy of praise, first of all, because God does amazing work through the gospel. God does amazing work through the gospel. This story is part of the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ coming to earth, this story is embedded in that news, okay? This story is embedded, and God is doing amazing work by completing that work of the gospel. His work in here, what do we see? God is choosing unworthy servants to be involved in his plan to bring about his good news. That's incredible. He's doing amazing work. By the way, he still does this. He chooses unworthy servants to be involved, to bring forth his plan, to bring forth the good news. Verse 48, look at this. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Man, he does good work through the gospel. He is involving me and blessing me through this work that he is doing in the gospel. God is actively pursuing his people. Verse 50, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Mary sees the Lord's pursuit. He is doing good work through the gospel. God is actively pursuing his people. God saves. He saves. He does great work through the gospel. Another aspect of it is that plain and simple, he saves. He saves us from our sin. Look at this. He, she, Mary, calls God her, verse 47, Savior. He saves. We see next that God gives us every spiritual blessing. Verse 48, for he has looked upon us and his a humble state, looked upon me on my humble state, estate as his servant. From behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. God makes her life everything that it can be in him, which apart from him would be nothing. He makes her into something great. He does great work through the gospel, and Mary is recognizing this, and if we're standing in the observation room and we're watching Mary's song, the first thing that we're saying from that song is, man, God is worthy of praise. Why? Because he does great work through the gospel. He's doing great work through the gospel. God is showing great mercy, verse 50. His mercy is upon those who fear him. He is bringing us into enjoyment of his holiness. Look at this. What we see are calling him in verse, uh, what verse are we in? Verse 49. Holy is his name. Holy is his name. Who rejoices in the fact that God is far better? Who rejoices? 
in the fact that God is set apart? Who rejoices in the fact that God is in control and not me? Who does those kind of crazy things, right? People whose hearts are being worked on through the good news of Jesus Christ. We also see that God fulfills his words and promises. God fulfills his words and promises. Listen, God is speaking here to Mary. He has spoken. God is fulfilling here. And God is acting according to his character. He's acting according to his character here. What do I mean by this? Well, he is showing his strength. He is scattering the proud, which is evil. He is discerning their thoughts. He is bringing down the mighty. And at the same time, he is exalting those of humble estate. He fills the hungry with good things. He sends away the rich empty, and he helps his servants, and he's faithful to them, and he's been faithful to them. God is upholding or fulfilling or uh, acting according to his great character, and he's doing good, and he's speaking, and he's fulfilling. He fulfills his words and promises. This is what we're observing about God. From Mary's song, we also see that God initiates undeserved activity in our lives. God initiates undeserved activity in our lives. If we're observing this, we're saying, Mary is praising. Man, this God is worthy of praise. Here's why. Here's why. This is what we see. He initiates undeserved activity. Look at what she says. She says, he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Has God initiated undeserved activity in your life? Has he called you to himself? Has he pursued you? Is he working in you? Has he been faithful to you? Man, she is noticing this. We see next that God has great character and renown. He's got great character and renown throughout all of this. What God is doing, what she is proclaiming about God is that God holds up what is good and he puts down what is evil. His character is great and his renown is great because he has done this to nations not merely to people. He has done this to the people of the past. He does this to the people of the future. He is doing this presently. He does whatever he pleases. He has great renown. And lastly, what we see, or actually two more, God has been faithful in the past. So we see in verses 54 through 55, she exclaims about how God has been faithful in the past. He's helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he's spoken to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Now listen, stay with this stuff, okay? Because I know when you're watching this, you're saying, what do I, okay, yes, yes, yes. What do I do? Like, what are you telling me to do? Don't ask that question. Not right now. Don't do that because that's the reason why your life is void of praise. Is because you continually ask that question. Don't ask that question. Don't do anything. Just focus on God. Praise is forth when God is the focus. That's what brings forth praise, when he's the object. And so here's what she's seeing, this last one. God has been faithful in the past. Listen, this is wonderful, because here's what she's observing, that God 
She's recalling how God has fulfilled objective truths and promises in the lives of the people of the past already, and we're gonna see that she's got to rejoice in this because it testifies to the truths indeed of who God is by how he's conducted himself in the past, which gives even greater assurance that he will act accordingly in the future. Does that make sense? When, when I see how God has been faithful in the past, I agree this is true of God. He is worthy of praise. He is like this. He is faithful, which makes me rejoice because I am then sure that God will act accordingly in the same way in the future. She is reflecting on how he's been faithful. And lastly, again, going along the same lines, she knows that God will be faithful in the future. She is speaking generally about who God is. This isn't just a one-time occurrence. So as we observe this, as we observe this song of praise, what we observe first when we watch this is man, God is worthy of praise. Look at all he's done. Look at all he's doing. Look at his heart. Look at his goodness. He's the only one who's worthy of all praise. The second thing that we would observe in this passage if we were watching this song take place is the faith. That's the second thing that we would observe in this passage is the faith. Because these objective truths don't just stand by themselves. Mary's connected to them. She's connected to them through what? Through belief. She believes these truths about God. Now stay with me, listen. The, the reason in which maybe my life isn't full of praise on a continual basis isn't because God objectively isn't, in reality, the greatest thing possible. And it isn't because the truths that we've already discussed are not true about God. Those truths about God are already true, but the praise that, brings, that comes forth from our lips and from our heart might be absent due to the fact that we don't believe them or we don't focus on them. Someone's listening to them. <laughs> They're gonna be better off than listening to me. So listen, so we, we understand that there's gotta be some connection to God's objective reality and us, and that is faith. We see the faith, and that faith is warranted. Listen, as we watch this, the second thing that we see is, man, we see God's objective truth and who he is, and then we see the faith of Mary. Because in this, we know from what we see about God that faith is warranted. Faith is warranted. From the objective reality that God is worthy of praise, we see this faith, and we observe from this, yeah, that faith that Mary has, it's warranted. Like, it should be there. That's right. I'm observing her song. I'm saying, man, God's worthy of praise. Mary's got faith, and it's right that she's got faith, right? That's what I'm seeing. That's what I'm observing. God is worthy of praise, and Mary's faith is a right response. What do we see in this? Because we observe, listen first, that Mary believes God's words and promises, Mary believes God's words and promises. Here's where we watch this faith take place. Mary believed God's words and promises because she knew who God was. She knew God's character. Listen, she knew God's promises would be true and fulfilled. And her happiness, it shows us, 
in verse 45, is dependent upon her believing these truths, not in just them being true. See how vital faith is? Look at verse 45. Blessed is she, happy is she, fortunate is she who did what? Who believes. That's the missing link. Listen, you, these truths can be true about God all day, but you gotta fight to believe them. You gotta fight to trust in them, to bank on them, to believe them so much that you believe with all of your heart that God will fulfill what he says, and it is true that God is who he says he is. She believes. With the next thing that we see in this is that Mary recognizes God's great work in her life. This is the faith, this is where she's believing, this is where she's trusting. This is not just objectively true, but Mary's recognizing it. She recognizes God's great work in her life. Because she's saying, listen, I want you to look at this. Look at verse 48 and 49, okay? Ready? Here's what I want you to do. You got, if you got the ESV, here's what I want you to do. Look at verse 48, see that first word? What's that first word? For, right? Okay, circle that word for. Now, move down to the middle of that verse and see that word right there. What does that say? For, right? And then move down again to the beginning of verse 49 and circle that word again. What does that say? For. All of those are reasons to which she is praising. My soul magnifies the Lord because, you could say, or because, or this is why, because he's doing this, or he has done this. Now I want you to notice what's true about all those verses, 48 through 49. Look at this, ready? For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Who's she talking about? Herself. So she has faith, not just because of objectively knowing the truth about God, but because of what God has done in her specific personal life. Then we see also move down again. For behold, from now on, all generations will call who? Me blessed. She's recognizing God's work in her life. Verse 49, for he who is mighty has done great things for me. So Mary's faith is connected to her recognizing God's great work that he's already done in her life. We also see that God, Mary is reflecting on God's universal activity and character. She's happy with just who God is, even if it doesn't always suit her. Because he's doing much more than just working in her life. This is the faith that we see in Mary. He has done things from the beginning of time and he continues to do them. And lastly, in this, what we see is that Mary identifies God's faithfulness towards others. Mary identifies God's faithfulness towards others. So if we're observing this song and we're seeing Mary's life in praise, the first thing that we're seeing is that God is worthy of praise. He's the focus. Praise comes forth from an objective focus on God. The second thing that we see is that Mary had faith. She was trusting in this, and it's warranted that she would because of who God is. And the third thing that we see in this passage is the fruit. The fruit that we see happen now because of all this being true is praise. It's praise, listen, 
This is how this praise has come about. It hasn't just been hanging on nothing. She didn't just walk into this by accident, sporadically. Listen, ready? Mary has noticed objective truths about God. He is worthy of praise. Mary has trusted in those truths, and therefore, praise has been the result because what we see is that, if we're observing this, is praise is a fitting expression. Praise is the fitting expression. Go ahead and hit that, Andy. Praise is a fitting expression. So if we're observing this, God is worthy of praise. Mary's focus is on God. We see her faith, and it is warranted that she would trust in this God. And then we see this fruit, which is praise, and praise is the fitting response. Therefore, I tell you this, listen, your life should be full of praise. Your life should be full of praise. That's the fitting response. That's the condition that you should constantly live in for a lifetime, the exaltation of God. That's the fitting response. So what do we observe about this praise, okay? There's two things and then we're done. What do we observe about this praise? First, that praise involves magnifying. The first thing that we see here is that praise involves magnifying. How do we see that? Well, look at verse 46 and 47. Those are the two verses in which we see the praise actually taking place. Um, She is praising by stating all the rest of them, but that kind of summarizes what's actually happening in her praise. What's happening? The first is that she is magnifying the Lord. She's magnifying the Lord, okay? So what does this mean, that she's magnifying the Lord, okay? Well, it means that she's giving him honor due his name. Listen, ready? She knows the truth about God, about who he is. She's magnifying God. She knows the truth, the honor, the renown of who God is, right? She magnifies the Lord. Now, we also, we tend to think this semantically because you're like, you wonder like, like as an example, when you glorify God, listen, ready? Glorifying God doesn't mean you make him to be glorious, right? Glorifying God means that you show him to be as he already is. Does it make sense? So glorifying God, if I glorify God, I'm not making him any more glorious. When I glorify God, I'm just showing him to be as he already is. So when you magnify God, she's magnifying God. She's not making God any bigger, any more important, any more worthy of honor than he already is. He already is. But when she magnifies him, she is seeing him as he already is. It's not like a microscope where she's making him bigger. It's more like a telescope where she's just seeing right what already exists. There's two ways to magnify. She's magnifying more like that. So here's what I want to tell you. Because of God being worthy of praise, the only one, you have reason to trust, to have faith, the same reasons that Mary does. We observe that she has such faith and belief in who this God is. And out of the result Praise is occurring, and what's happening in her praise? Well, first, she's magnifying God. She's giving him the honor due his name. But I don't want you to just stop there, and she doesn't stop there, because not only does she magnify him, but secondly, she rejoices in him. 
So praise involves rejoicing. Soul and spirit really probably shouldn't be taken to be anything different there. But it says that she magnifies the Lord and then she says she rejoices in this God, her Savior. And so what happens is you know who God is and then you rejoice in who he is. And so I often like to say it like this. You ready? Praise or worship involves acknowledging, affirming, and approving. Okay, now let me explain that, okay? Acknowledging, affirming, and approving. Now let me say, let me, ready? Let me explain this. Acknowledging. I'm acknowledging that God is who he is. He is worthy of praise. I am affirming that that's true in my trust and in my belief. I believe and I affirm that is the truth. And in my approval, it's not that God needs me to approve of who he is for him to be who he is, but my approval more means that I am happy about it. I rejoice in it. I'm glad about this, and like I willingly say yes. So when I see that God is magnified, he's the one, I'm magnifying God, he's the only one, he's in control, he's the only one worthy of praise, I, I'm trusting in that, and I'm saying I'm glad that you're God and you're the only one of pra- worthy of praise and that I'm not. Like I give my full approval to say you're the one, right? That's rejoicing in, delighting in, affirming, approving, being glad about that God is the one. That's worship. That's what you do when you're singing. You're acknowledging, yes, God, you're the one, and you're saying, and I love that you're the one, right? That's what's happening here. And so that's praise. We could look at it like this, and we'll be done. God's holiness, God's glory, our worship, three of the most important ideas in all of existence. What is it? God's holiness. Remember this? God's holiness is just who he inherently is. Remember, holiness is God's glory concealed. Glory is God's holiness revealed. God's holy. He's objectively worthy of praise. God's glory. He shows this to be true through what he does, through his work in our lives, through the work in the past, through his faithfulness to his word, through his faithfulness to his promises, through the work of the gospel. And we see it and we trust in it. And our worship is the response where we affirm this and then we rejoice in it. And so church, my goal for you today is that your life would be drawn in to have the same response as Mary. That you would see God as who he is, worthy of praise. That you would affirm that it's true, that you would put your trust and your faith in who God is. And that praise would be the result of your life, all of your days. That you would acknowledge and that you would affirm and that you would with all your heart approve. And so I encourage you, this is why Jesus died for you, is to bring you into a place of praise of God, to see him rightly and then to enjoy him on into eternity. I want you to remember that every week um, we're gonna have some prayer partners here and if you have anything you'd like to pray about or need prayer over at the end of our service, our prayer partners would love to pray over you, but here's my prayer for you as we close and as we leave. My prayer is that you would move into places in your life, seasons of continual, deep, dependent 
joyful praise. And if you say to yourself, I'm not there, and I don't know how to get there, and I'm going to take this, and I'm going to look at who God is. He's only worthy. I'm going to trust in it, and I'm going to affirm it and try to rejoice in it with all of my heart, and yet my heart, for some reason, isn't there. I agree with the psalmist, Psalm 42, 5, where he says this, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him. God is going to bring you because of Christ ultimately, if not now, then into eternity in a place of praise towards him. I pray that he would do that now. Let's pray. Father, we we come before you and as we observe Mary's song, as we observe Mary's song, God, I pray that we would see with all of our hearts and observe that, that, God, you are indeed worthy of all praise. God, I also pray as we see Mary's faith, and oh boy, is it warranted, that we would have the same faith and belief because blessed, happy is the one who believes. And I pray that we would be people who trust and believe. And I pray, God, that in our seeing you and believing, God, that you would bring forth praise from our hearts and praise on our lips, that we would truly be the happy, blessed in the world. I pray that the people in this community would say, oh, the people of the field church, they continually have praise on their lips to their God. And I pray, God, that because of that, many more people would come to know you. Do your work in our hearts. I pray if there's anyone in here, God, who prays for them is the furthest thing from their heart and lips, that they would begin by focusing their attention on you, removing their attention from themselves or from other things. They would begin with all of their hearts to attempt to believe and trust and ask you for help to believe in the truths about who you are and that you would bring a rejoicing and a happiness and a magnifying and a praise from their lives that would continually be in their heart and on their lips for all of their days. In Jesus' name, amen.